Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Jared Brandon. Chris Graham. Me, Todd Novak, and our special, super-duper special guest, Jeff Schroeder. Yeah, this is Jeff from the Smashing Pumpkins. Yes, Jeff Schroeder of the Smashing Pumpkins, and we are super excited for him to be on the show today. We are equally yeah. excited for everyone else who is listening. Um, we are constantly gaining new listeners around the world, and that's just like incredibly exciting. So thank you so much. And if anybody feels like they want to throw me a shout and just say, hey, what's going on uh, from wherever you're at, I would love that. I've gotten quite a few messages, uh, both on, on Facebook as well as via the website so they're so appreciated guys and we really appreciate that thank you i'm gonna say appreciate one more time because i appreciate that all right so uh, anyone who's heard this a few times let's just reiterate the fact we're coming from columbus ohio that's where our home base is and it is uh it's a nice little town and we dig it and it's got a cool music scene and a lot of guitar nerds here mm-hmm. oh yeah a lot of guitar knobs, too, in this room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to it. Let's talk about uh, what are a few things that's happened in our guitar worlds this week, starting with Jared. Well, for those of you that have been listening for a long time, for a while, you know that what I do for a living, I build electric guitar pickups, been doing it for about 10 years. So with that... I, I bought a couple of new winders this past week, and I'm really excited about that. I, uh, I'm going to have tooling done to them uh, so they can do four bobbins at a time. That's four humbucker bobbins at a time. So um, with my current setup right now, plus these two new winders, I'll be able to do 12 different uh, bobbins at a time. I won't be doing that, though. I'll just be you know having one type of wire on this and another type of wire in the other. So... I'm uh, thoroughly excited about that. I just love getting new stuff to add to the shop. It's it's what I do every day. Um, it's my life. I just love it. Um, as far as actually playing guitar, I got I got my old Gibson uh, Les Paul out the other day, and um, I noticed the strings were kind of dead. So I'm not sure exactly what gauge I want to put on this, but. Uh, uh, just more maintenance, and uh, that's pretty much it. Man, way to uh, <laughs> way to excite the living hell out of all of us. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> well, especially about the winders. I'm sure everybody's trying to picture. Huh? What's going on? No, that what is awesome. Uh, your shop, your little shop downstairs, and your basement is really cool. And I, I know if you're buying a new winder, that means your business is up, and that's that's good news. Um, cool, man. Well, I appreciate you. St- are you going to be stocking new string, new uh, wire? I don't, oh, oh yeah. When you said strings, I'm like uh, guitar strings. What? Uh, no, I'll just be buying more because the whole the whole point is to have other winders for other types of wire so i'm not switching wire out all the mm-hmm. time so that's uh that's a whole point of that awesome um chris yeah so um 
in my guitar life lately, um, I um, bought a tube tester recently. I'm, uh, you know, I have a mastering studio. That's what I do for a living, and we have a lot of tube gear in there. So I finally got a tube tester so I can be testing my vacuum tubes on different amplifiers and stuff like that. And uh, so it was fun. I've, you know, I've been collecting tubes for years and finally um, was able to start going through my collections and figuring out what was trash and what was really good. And lo and behold, I was digging through my collection and I found two uh, gray plate RCA 6v6 tubes. Those which, the old ones, right? Yeah, like yeah. super fantastic, amazing tubes that tested perfect. Um, so my main guitar amp is a is an old Fender Princeton reverb from the '60s, and those are the right tubes for that amp. So, I mean, I guess so. I guess so. Sure. <laughs> but it was pretty. It was pretty fun. Like I've never had a tube tester before, and you, know, you plug the tube in, and you go through all these extensive switches and knobs. Knobs. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a lot of knobs on it. And uh, Jeff, are you a, are you a tube meister? Um, yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, I most of the amps that I use live, I still use old tube amps. So it's always a struggle to find ones that sound good, right. especially these days. Totally. Well, and that's for me, like I love tube rolling, as, as I think the, the term of just swapping different tubes in and seeing, wow, this sounds good and that one doesn't. And, and finding just that sweet combination of the right preamp tubes and the right inverter tube and the right power tubes and the right rectifier tube. So yeah. now it's nice and that there's a dynamic to that where I don't have to just sort of plug it in and listen to see if I like the tube or not. I can tell if like, oh, this one has a short in it and it will explode my amp <laughs> if yeah. I continue to use this. So I, I see those pop up on, on Craigslist or, uh, you know, quite a few. There's usually one up. Well, there's a guy here in town in Columbus, Ohio, who buys tube testers on eBay and then repairs them and then prints out the manual and resells them. And I bought it directly from him and he, <laughs> I met him at a coffee shop and he opened the trunk of his van and gave me lessons on how to use a tube tester. Wow. That's cool. What's this fellow's name by the way? Uh, Is it Randy? It might be Randy. That sounds familiar. Is he from like South Columbus down yeah. 23? Yeah. That guy is a fantastic amp guy. He does all my amps. Big shout to Randy, the fantastic amp guy. <laughs> yeah. Vintage amp or vintage amp repair is his website and it's just this big circusy huge website. It's huh. it's got a little nook or it's it's got something in every little nook and cranny on there. It's very busy. But the guy is fantastic when it comes to fixing amps and hmm. stuff. He knows his stuff. He's well he was great with the tube tester. It's just yeah. been such a relief. Like I've been for years pulling over to the side of the road with my kids in the car when I see like an old organ or something like that and just like, yoinks, vacuum tubes. Right. Put them in my basement and now I can actually tell whether it's safe to put it in something or not. Yeah. Yeah, Randy Atkins, I think that's his name. Oh, anyway. I don't recall. All right. Well, glad we cleared that up. Uh, Jeff, why don't you tell us what's going on in your guitar world today? Um, guitar world stuff. Well, actually, kind of one thing I want to do talk about real quick is um, a soundtrack that I've been working on. Oh, yeah, man. Laid on us. be called Where It Begins. The Indiegogo campaign started two days ago. So I can provide you guys a link and maybe you can put it on your website and stuff. Yeah, but, uh, yeah absolutely. It's a documentary that originally kind of started about uh, the indie music scene at a Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, but it's kind of taken on a bigger scope and it's about 
independent music from the late 70s up to the early 2000s or so. And uh, so I'm doing like some extra music for it. And so that just started. So that's kind of the biggest thing that that's going on this week. But uh, other than that, you know, I've been, uh, I want to give a shout out to my, I've been started taking guitar lessons, I don't know, for about six months to my jazz teacher, Tony Del Rosario. And uh, he's like my guitar guru now. So that's, he's got me all every week. I'm just like sweating like crazy because I'm just, you know, not be a bad student. That's that's awesome. (laughs) You know, so it's funny. I feel like I'm 13 again, Um, but (laughs) I try to take it a little more seriously. So that's, that's, that's what I've kind of been focusing on. So killer. And it's worth mentioning you're calling from Chicago today, right? Which, which one? You. Oh, you're, me. you're calling from Chicago? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I said, I think you said my, <laughs> call, my call, colleague from Chicago. Yes, yes, from Chicago. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, so, well, so we're, we're kind of, so we're kind of neighbors, basically. Yeah, a little bit. Midwest, Midwest neighbors. neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, so w- once we get that uh, link, we'll make sure and get that on your, uh, I found it. Yeah. On, on your episode. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. You guys found it. Yeah. And I actually, you know, uh, I and Yamaha donated a guitar. That was one of the, one of the, whatever items you could, you could buy. And actually someone already bought it. So that was really cool. Oh wow. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Pretty excited about that. Yeah. And we're going to get into your, uh, your relationship with, with, uh, Yamaha and and all the other guitar stuff, uh, in, in just a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as for me, I, well, this week I spent a lot of time getting ready. So I've got a show coming up and I was just spending time regearing, make sure I got all the, you know, right pedals and, and junk that I need. Uh, restringing, testing chords out, testing chords out, doing all the stuff. I, I'm, I'm pretty thorough before a show. And also, uh, so one of the things I do is a, is a clash tribute and I needed to put some new writing on the guitar. And so, you know, to kind of, I think that the flavor of the times is resist. So that's on the guitar now. Um, yeah. Uh, um, so that's what I was doing. Nice, short, sweet, simple. And I'm just, I'm way more interested in, in talking to you today. So let's get to this. So now we have our brand new segment called One, Two, One, Two, Three, Four on the Floor. This is the four pedals that you cannot live without. What are they and why? Awesome. Now, this is, this was a, this was kind of a tough one to really think about this, but. Um, these are in no particular order. They are all important. Um, but the first thing that I, almost any gig that I have played in the last eight years, um, I have a either a modified Line 6 M13 or a M9. And I have them modded by Jack Vaughn at JVH3. He's a kind of semi-friend of mine, just corresponded over email, and he's come to a couple gigs. But he does something to the audio path of these that take it into like this other other level of, of really clean, beautiful sound. It really enhances the reverbs and delays in particular. Um, yeah. And it makes it like a really great buffer. So if you're doing like a longer cable run, it's, it's, it's really remarkable. So... Uh, that pedal, one of those, which is kind of a Swiss Army knife type of thing anyway, 
I use all the time. So that would be one. Uh, second pedal would be the Catlin bred uh, Bell Epoch delay. Mm, and yeah. I kind of have that thing on all the time because the uh, just what it does, like the emulation of the preamp of the EP3 is, is really, really good. And obviously the delay sounds great. Um, and I just love the people at Catlin bred, um, Stephanie Howard and the late Nicholas were, you know, kind of friends of mine. And when Stephanie and Howard or Stephanie and Nicholas, you know, they'd come to Chicago, I'd take them out to eat and stuff. So it was, you know, really sad when Nicholas passed, but I, I just love the company he created. And so the belly puck is huge. And I'm, so I'm really excited for the belly puck deluxe that debuted at NAMM. Um, I heard it's supposed to be even better. It's supposed to be like the closest you can get to a real Echoplex without actually having one. Hmm. And, and is that the deluxe? Uh, so that would be the deluxe uh, aspect of that pedal? Yeah, because it, I, you know, because the small one runs at nine volts, or you can run it up to eighteen. But to really get the sound of the Echoplex is that you know it's got to run at twenty-two volts, and so he's oh. figured out some way to up the power to a bigger encasing, and it. I guess the circuit is like if you open it up, it is exactly the same as Echo Plus except for the tape part. So, wow, it's, yeah, it's supposed to be really, really great. And I had a, another brand, um, like the, I had a full tone, the solid state tape echo when that came out like a year or so ago, two years yep. ago. Yep. And ended up not keeping it for various reasons, but that, you know, that was like the real deal. And let me tell you, it's, 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 it's awesome. Like when you play through the real thing, it really does make a difference. So I'm curious to see how this, uh, deluxe works, but, uh, another, another, my, another pedal that I have to have is that's become a mainstay is that, uh, even tied H nine. Okay. Uh, I, I love, I started buying the the individual pedals that they made and then i graduated into getting the h9 and i have i think three of them now that's a programmable and, one right <laughs> yeah 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 you can uh download the algorithm the algorithms that you want from their website or something like that and then um you can edit them all like on your ipad or your iphone wow mm-hmm. that's kind of taking the tc electronic uh mm-hmm. thing a little bit further yeah, and it's great, and, I, and and you know, and I just love the Eventide sound. It's definitely a thing. You know, I wouldn't call their their pedals transparent. Like when you turn on an Eventide thing, it has a particular sound. But I really like it. Yeah, you know, I really like it. It's it's something that I've kind of grown up listening to on records for so long. So I really like a lot of their. I can't kind of can't can't live without some of their things. So. If, if, you, if you wouldn't mind, uh, would, like, is there a particular record or sound that that drove you to recapturing that? You mentioned, you know, kind of growing up with that. Is there is there somebody that that uh, that had that? Uh, you're like, I want to sound like that. Well, yeah, I mean, all the, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the Steve I stuff from Passion of Warfare that that even tied, you know, harmonizer was all over that album. Okay. Yeah, that's that's one. And then, I mean, you hear like a lot of Robert Fripp stuff, you know, when those come out, he started using those things a lot. And yeah, I mean, pretty much, I think in the 80s, a lot of guys had them, you know. And I think people like Flood, you know, as a producer and engineer, used those in the studio quite a bit. So a lot of you hear it a lot on, you know, kind of ambient noise and stuff on records. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, the reverbs and delays are just beautiful. They're really beautiful, really gorgeous. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I that I would I have it's a tie because it's but it's by the same company. <laughs> I have a I have a Tone Freak Naked Overdrive when I'm using my Marshall rig or his his new Pineapple Overdrive for when I play through Fenders and the. The naked is basically it's kind of like a semi-distorted boost, but it really only to me it, it sounds it doesn't really sound that great in front of a clean amp. It's really meant to play in front of a kind of a cranked Marshall, gotcha. and it just gives you. And then the pineapple is more in the Klon vein right. type of drive. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So those are my four on the floor. Awesome. Four and a half on the floor. <laughs> four and a half on the floor. <laughs> yeah. That H nine can do more, is a multi effect, so I don't know if it counts as one. <laughs> well, F thirteen too is is as has like seventy effects in it well, or something. I oh. think that's being pretty smart and efficient with your four choices. It is. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. lusting after this even tied H nine right now. I that's uh, <laughs> I've heard of him, but I never really looked into it. I'm, I want one now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, so let's get into this. One of the reasons that we are talking to Jeff, uh, ironically, uh, I didn't exactly seek him out. I didn't say, hey, guys, let's talk about who we want to have on the show. And uh, and we just, you know, write down a whole bunch of names and stuff. It's kind of funny how our connection happened. I was I've been posting, you know, Instagram stuff. And as everybody knows, I spent a lot of time on Instagram and uh, I kept seeing him pop up. And uh, honestly, I, I was just gonna let it be because I, you know, I don't wanna chase somebody down. It's, it's a little weird. But I just decided, you know what? I would, like, I would love to hear his perspective as a player, as a, as a guitar nut who's, who's had to make choices with his gear based on the different things he's played in his career and i thought that'd be a really cool perspective so i took a chance and uh we connected and here you are and i'm thrilled about that uh, i'm happy to be here so now that i've given you um i, I mean a moderate introduction <laughs> uh i think it's definitely worth saying the other side of that is i i mean I grew up, we're not far off in age. I'm, I think I'm about two years older, two, three years older than you, maybe, Jeff. And okay. so I, when I hear you playing, I hear a lot of my musical history, too. And that's, that was an exciting thing for me. I'm like, I, man, this guy's playing the kind of stuff like, that I grew up listening to that impacted me. And, and obviously, one of those things was, was Smashing Pumpkins. And the fact that you're you're playing in that is cool. But the fact that you your your guitar voice and and you know looking into your previous bands and stuff is like that was like always there. It's like you were always doing that, which is yeah, really yeah, yeah. neat. You didn't have to like fully change or adapt or anything. Or maybe you did. I don't know. Let's find out. So tell us <laughs> where did you start? How did you start on your road in your, your life in guitar? Um, well, I'm originally from the LA area, so I'm a California boy and Me too. only, yeah, so only recently I've only lived in Chicago for maybe three and a half years or so. So I basically grew up on the West coast, California, um, probably started playing, 
like serious, you know, kind of got into the guitar pretty early because my brother's eight years older than me and he was a Kiss fanatic. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm born in 74. I might, I think really, and I, and I'm not even making this up. I think my earliest memory as a child, so about three, three and a half was my dad took my brother and maybe two other kids from the neighborhood to see Kiss in 1977 at the forum on the Love Gun tour. Oh, it was man. like the historic tour, you know, Kiss, Cheap Trick. And I remember staying up with my mom sitting there. And then I remember my brother coming home with like the massive tour book and all that kind of stuff. And so I was really like one of my first memories as a child. So, uh, and, and we shared a room for a while. So it was like Kiss posters. And, and so just, you know, pictures of Ace Freely everywhere. And I just like, man, he's just so, looks so cool with the guitar. And um, yeah, so my brother was always really into music and was friends with a lot of musicians. And so I just was like, man, I want to play the guitar. And when I was seven or eight, got an acoustic guitar and didn't take it seriously. But when I was about 13, I got an electric and started taking lessons. Um, I walked into, you know, I had a guitar, walked into a music store one day and started talking to like one of the teachers was out there and he's like, what are you into? And he's, you know, when you're 13, pre-internet, all that kind of stuff. And he was playing like eruption and hot for teacher and all this stuff, like, like two feet from my face and to see someone mm-hmm actually able to do that was really like kind of mind blowing. I couldn't believe it. And so I started studying with him for about three years. And so I learned a lot, you know, scales, modes, basic harmony. And then, uh, yeah. So then by the time I was in high school, I, uh, trying to think like, it's kind of hard. It's like so long ago now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I played in a couple bands, garage bands, but luckily I, right after I graduated high school, I ran into my guitar teacher that I had taken all those lessons for, from again. And I, he I, we started telling us like, Hey, you know, I want to take a few lessons again. So he was teaching actually out of his house now. And so one day we're playing and then I left and I guess his roommate was next door in the, you know, they shared a wall and went to was like hey who was that playing with you today and he was like oh that's one of my students he goes oh can i get his number because my band you know we're looking for a guitar player and so um i joined this band and you know i started playing la and hollywood when i was 18 as soon as i was out of high school i started playing and i you know started playing like all those clubs whiskey roxy troubadour viper room oh viper room i don't even know if it was the viper room yet in 92 i mean it's pretty early um, but anyways, so I started playing in bands up, up in LA, like really early on and did that for a while. And then, uh, I'm so just kind of giving, what yeah. was your starting, you know, going back to when you first started, like what was your, uh, what was your first guitar? It was a, some Japanese strap copy. I actually still have it. It's at the warehouse where we store all the gear. I, I keep everything. I'm like a gear. <laughs> I, I'm sadly it's, it's gotten, you know, but I still have it. It was like a blue strap copy. Uh, you got, you got three nodding, smiling heads. at you. For that. <laughs> well, yeah, cause I think we all regret getting rid of something in the past. Yeah. We had a whole episode Just on hang that. on to it. Jeff. Or in my case, taking it completely apart and not being able to put it back together. <laughs> the death of my first guitar. Whoops. Yeah. I mean, my first guitar was a harmony acoustic, you know, from like a catalog sure, harmony. Yeah. And I still have it. That's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> still have it. Yeah. 
That's rad. Okay, so you 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 joined up with this guy. So he recognized you had a you had a, a little a special way with the guitar. Yeah, yeah, and you know I think the you know in the '90s and alternative music and what ultimately let me get into the Pumpkins was, you know, it was kind of a weird time because, you know, I I started like I said I started taking lessons in 1987, and you can imagine what that was like in terms of guitar the guitar culture of the time was very much hard rock centered guitar heroes. And I loved it. I was very much into those players. I loved all those bands, um, and was very influenced by that stuff stylistically. But by the time I graduated high school, that world had completely changed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that time. Yeah. And so I was able to be right on that, that brink it, you know, and, and I, even, even when I was in high school, I loved other, I didn't listen to only hard rock and heavy metal. I listened to all types of things. Yeah. I was into, um, you know, new wave stuff. And I loved like people like Eric Johnson. I went and saw Eric Johnson. I went and saw Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jeff Beck. So, so I loved, I mean, I really loved all types of guitar playing. Um, but when alternative music came in, it was really, you know, it was like a, you know, there was that moment of time where you had, you know, players like Billy Corgan and, you know, Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction was another one that were really coming from both worlds, hard rock, alternative, and combining two had this new style of, of playing that was, you know, had the energy of hard rock music, but then some maybe more of the textures of alternative and new wave and post-punk. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So I think being not kind of coming of age during that time was really, you know, an advantage for me. Best of both worlds. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think, um, it's funny you mentioned Dave Navarro because I think, um, one of the, uh, certainly it was one of my huge, uh, you know, guitar mentors, uh, growing up. But, um, when I hear, when you when you talk about some of those people, I think the key to one of the reasons that they are still really relevant now, and why they were so influential, is that for that reason that you mentioned, they they, they didn't put themselves into a box. They played with a style that incorporated a lot of things, but not too much. They left they left openness in their playing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's also something that I, I I really see in your playing too, texturally and just uh, it's it's just super enjoyable to listen to whether there's a song behind it or not. I'm specifically referencing for the, for anyone who hasn't uh, or is not familiar with some of the videos uh, that Jeff's in um, on online on YouTube. Uh, he's he did some videos for for Yamaha, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but. Uh, there, you know, this one in particular where you're just jamming with a bass player and a drummer. I mean, man, I, I must have watched that, I don't know, uh, way too many times. Oh, that's cool. And you know, the f- interesting thing is, like, I'd never played with those guys. We just right. showed up and we just, you know, jammed for like four or five hours and they filmed a bunch of it and, and put stuff together. I mean, obviously, mm. those guys were top musicians i mean they're they're both great and yeah so that was all basically was so open in that (laughs) yeah yeah thanks yeah it was fun i mean it was totally it was just such a awesome opportunity just to play with really good people and you know they we could just throw people could just throw ideas out there be like okay let's do that do that do that boom 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 and then within 10 minutes you're playing stuff it was cool yeah Wild. <laughs> yeah, so, cool. um, I think one of the things 
I, w- I want to get to this part because I think this was like one of the interesting things about uh, the potential to, to talk to you uh, about guitar is that you you obviously had developed your own way of playing, your own voice, um, but yet you also are, are jumping into a band that already has a, a, a relatively pronounced one. I mean, fortunately, I think those two married up really well, but we're, tell us about... It. Was that a struggle at at all to to have to take on an, uh, someone else's voice to a degree? Oh, it was really hard at first because I, you know, I thought I was obviously very familiar with the band. I saw the band a bunch of times. I, you know, I had all the records, and I thought I, I thought you know I could play the riffs. But once you're really in the room and you're playing the riffs with the guitar player and the drummer who wrote and recorded them, it's a whole different level of 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 playing in terms of um attack rhythm placement of the notes uh it was really really hard at first really hard at because i wasn't you know billy and jimmy have a almost like a they don't even talk about timings and stuff because they, they they're like on a telepathic level with it and so it's very intuitive for them to play the way they play. And then for, for someone like me as an outsider, have to kind of break it down and figure out how it works. It was, it was, it was pretty hard at first. I put in a lot of hours of trying to figure it out. And so now I don't, we can, Billy and I play together and we never talk about what we're going to do. Mm. We can just, I just, you know, we can, we can fall in together pretty easily. Uh, but you know, an interesting thing that people, you know, really obsess about like, you know, Billy's sound on those early records. And a lot of it is, you know, it is like a, a, a you know, the, the guitar and the pedal and all like, you know, what, what big muff is it and all that kind of stuff. And I have to say, like, it's really not that it's the way he plays. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's the way yes. he, it's the, it's, it's the way he attacks the guitars, the way he hits the strings. It's yep. the, you know, that gives it so, and then that's accentuated by the amp, the guitar, but I mean, he sounds the same, you know, and then I don't mean, and I mean that as a compliment on really like any rig he plays, he, he gets that sound and like, we never use fuzz pedals live. Like we're always just use like, it's more like high gain amp distortion. And people are always asking like, <laughs> what fuzz pedals are you using? And we're like, we don't use fuzz pedals that's live. Wild. Wild. People don't believe it, but it's, it's the way that it's the attack, the way we hit the guitar and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it definitely took a while for me to wrap my head around that because it was like, whoa, you know, yeah. it's someone else's, someone else's thing. I think what would be probably pretty interesting, you know, for everyone to hear about is, you know, just are there any processes or or tips and tricks as far as, you know, when you were trying to, um, you know, kind of combine your voice with, with the Smashing Pumpkins and take on someone else's voice as well? You know, were you recording it and then playing back with it or, you know, were you slowing stuff down or, or were there any sort of processes? Yeah, you- I can give, yeah, I can give you like, you know, kind of a, a more esoteric answer and then a more practical answer. And cause I would say that the, the bigger advice, which doesn't necessarily seem practical at first is it would be develop your ears. And that takes years of really, cause I thought, oh, you have a pretty good ear, but after playing with the band for a long time, I realized like, man, like my listening, my ability to hear things and hear, not only hear myself, how I'm playing with the band, but hear yourself kind of outside of that context while you're playing is really what 
great musicians are able to do. Mm. They're able to kind of hear in this bigger, this bigger uh, way. And that, that's taken me a long time. But then in terms of really just like learning how to play the rhythm stuff, I, I had a, um, and I got it right here because I still use it. It's a Tascam, let me see, like a GT1 guitar trainer. Mm. And it's a little, it, at the time, they make an MP3 version now, you know, a, a digital version, but it was a, I had a CD version or have one and you can put a CD in and you can, you can loop sections of songs and slow it down. And so I could really like slow things down to half speed, but it doesn't change the pitch. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so you can sit there and just loop a guitar riff over and over and over until you can just get it and get the nuances of the riff with the drums. Perfect. So to me, that's to this day is still a invaluable tool. I mean, when I'm learning, trying to learn things or learn solos or learn other people, you know, other songs or other parts, I still use that. That's like been, I think that transformed my guitar playing more than anything else. No kidding. And, and let's reiterate that product real quick. Yeah. Task. Let me, it's uh, let me see if I can grab it here without disconnecting. Yeah. Here is the, uh, Tascam GT one portable CD guitar trainer. And I don't even know. I, d- I doubt if they make this particular one anymore. I think they're all MP3 or WAV file versions. Yeah, it looks like there's a GTR one. That's yeah, out yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're great. It, it's it's it really because you can nowadays a lot of people go online and you can learn stuff or get tab, but to learn stuff by ear, yeah, that's that's combined what I was talking about, like improving your ear and like something very practical, just learning a song, learning a riff. Yeah. Well, that's super interesting. I, I feel like, you know, not to be too fanboyish here, but like I I can't imagine many bands that'd be more difficult to join. So I'm, I'm going to perpetuate, you know, the tone and the, you know, intricacies of, of, uh, of the, of the arrangements that they have, uh, you know, that they're going to be playing every night. Well, especially with the mythical nature of, of those recordings, you know, like, yeah, the, you know, oh, he's recording with a, you know, several hundred track board and, yeah, and, average, and all that stuff. The average person think, well, why would a guitar player have a hard time? It would be this, you know, if you were to replace a singer. Yeah. That's got to be a, a super painful <laughs> process. I yeah. mean, you can't do, but yeah, people don't understand the, the whole uh, player concept as well. And I, I really liked how you explained how it, it's really not effects and and uh, all that kind of thing, but it, more of how you attack the string. And yeah, I, I, I myself like, am a firm it's, believer it's, it's of that. The, yeah, it's the vibrato. It's like, the, you know, I mean, even on chords, it's like a certain vibrato, a certain mm-hmm. attack, like where you're picking on, on the guitar. And right. it, it's a whole... It's a whole uh, like cloud of different things that, you know, that are that are existing all at once. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate real quick. Uh huh. Um, obviously, you have to get the you have to get the uh, you know that 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 sound via your ear and everything. But and I and I know that I'm I'm tapping this because I know a little bit about uh, from watching you know your videos and stuff like. There, there had to have been a certain point of all right. I got the song down. Now, what's the right gear for this band? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. I mean, yeah. For me, 
you know, before I joined the band, I was strictly a Fender type of person. I had a Jazzmaster, Strat, Telecaster. Never owned a Gibson in my life. Mm. And so when I joined the band, Billy was like, hey, you know, kind of the core of the sound is a Strat and a Les Paul. So you got to, I know you've never played Les Pauls, but, you know, would you mind trying? And so I started playing Les Pauls and, I mean, that's been a big journey of finding actually the, the types that I like and stuff. But yeah, that's definitely part of it. And I mean, if you, and as you guys know, from going from a, a Strat or a Fender to a Gibson is like two different worlds. Yeah. yeah. Big it's not. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, uh, the, the scale from what, 24 and a half, 24 and three quarters to but 25 and a half, I think. I'm not sure if that's exactly correct, but I think it is. Um, that So the, the guitar is, you know, the neck, the string tension feels different, but then just the body designs are so radically different. The yeah. way they the way they feel on your body and all that stuff, it's like, wow, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was really, it was pretty hard for me at hmm. first to, to play like how I would want to play on a, on a Gibson on a last ball or something like that. So is there a particular Gibson that you have now that you favor over the others? Yeah. You know, I started with customs because that's, you know, I was what always was used on the recordings, but, um, through good friends, cool, you know, guitar techs, um, mostly, uh, this, my, he's still a close friend of mine, Jason Baskin. He's a guitar tech now for the, uh, Zach Brown band. Okay awesome guy and he was like man he's like you ever check out standards you know let's call standards and i was like you know i, I kind of at the time i wasn't into the the sunburst because mm-hmm. it looked bad but now i love it you know i'm like oh my gosh and so <laughs> actually ended up we needed to buy some guitars because we were building uh, a rig and a b rig for send one one place one another place and so i ended up getting two like the really like the VOS, really nice Les Paul custom mm. shop standards, and two of those in one gold top. Nice. And, mm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> those, and those, um, just, I never play my customs anymore. I don't play the Les Paul customs anymore. I had two Les Paul customs, and they, they just sit in the warehouse now because I just, I, I'm more, I realize I like standards, and I actually even use like Seymour Duncan, the, whole lot of humbuckers so it's like kind of the jimmy page kind of thing and mm-hmm. i mean i just love it i love more that it's kind of a lighter more open sound yeah well jared uh, jared actually has a jimmy page shirt on right now and he's like <laughs> i think he's a little red in the face he's blushing a little bit because because <laughs> he loves the jimmy page oh yeah i have a setup that i kind of model after him too as well and they're they're probably similar to the whole lot on bucker but seymour duncan when i when i think of him i think of right now he's the reigning probably one of the best pickup builders and has uh, some of the best product out there but no yeah, the, i yeah go ahead. yeah i know i was gonna say i i agree i've used you know pickups from all different companies and i mean there's so many i mean people make it's like the best time to be a guitar player you can get all kinds of great stuff but yeah duncan's are for like a big company mm. i think that they just they just do it right they do yeah so, yeah so jeff um you have if anybody is is you know looking for 
you on uh, the internet as far as like, uh, you know, not personally, that, that'd be weird, but <laughs> <laughs> for, you know, it's for guitar stuff, they're going to see a lot of Yamaha. Uh, yeah. Can you, can you walk, uh, talk, tell us about that a little bit? Well, yeah, it's interesting. So uh, my friend who actually, not my friend, my, he is my friend now, but he, my artist rep at Seymour Duncan work, started working at Yamaha. So one day he's like, hey, I'm switching companies. I'm working at Yamaha. Would you um, mind if I sent you some acoustic guitars to check out? We have these acoustics and, you know, they're pretty cool. I think you might like them. And I've been playing Taylor's live, which are, you know, obviously like super, super nice guitars, but this really wasn't my thing. You know, it wasn't like what I, like, you know, I never really was much of an acoustic player before I was in the band and didn't really know what I liked in terms of acoustics and, you know, the, the tailors worked very good live and stuff. Um, and so I was like, yeah, send these out. And, um, he sent me a couple and Billy and I were preparing for a show that we were doing at Ravinia out here, which is like a big outdoor theater. And I started using those in rehearsal. He's like, man, he's like, you know what? Like those guitars sound great. These, you know, and he's like, I can like, when we play together, I can hear you better. Like the frequency range that they're occupying, you know, it's, um, is more that works in harmony with the guitars that I'm playing. So I started using some of these Yamaha L series acoustics and I use, I like the concert size ones a little bit smaller because Billy likes to play jumbos. And so I like a little bit of a thinner sound to kind of cut, over the top of what he's playing. And I play a lot more kind of counter melodies and higher voice chords anyway against this stuff. So it, it works really nice. So yeah, I started playing those acoustics and then just over the years, the relationship started developing more and they're like, Hey, you want to try some of these electrics and I uh, started playing some of their electrics and yeah, they, they've been, they've been really now, you know, Billy started playing the acoustics and, yeah. and so they've been really, really, supportive of the band and gone out of their way to make sure we're taken care of. And, but we just really like the, you know, the acoustics just, I mean, I know people may not believe it because Yamaha sometimes doesn't always have the best reputation as far as like high end stuff. But I mean, like I said, we were using the tailors for many years. And then we, once we switched to Yamaha's, we were getting so many compliments on the acoustic guitar sound live. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that's something that generationally is probably responsible for that, uh, you know, the, the, the gap, because, you know, many, many years ago, I mean, like Yamaha was well known and made very, very good stuff. And I think just yeah. as people chase down their stars and then they emulate the gear that they have, um, you know, I, 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 things change mm-hmm. before before Guns N' Roses came out it was like you could get a Les Paul for pretty dang cheap <laughs> yeah, know? I know uh, and uh, then after you know forget it <laughs> so yeah. it you know it goes in waves where, where, where people tend to gravitate right now everybody's mental about offset guitars and you know who, who knows how long that'll last yes but yeah yeah go ahead I have a Yamaha uh, pedal that I have that my dad bought like brand new in 1986. I still use it today. It's it's never broke. It's it's a good quality product. I've never had a problem with Yamaha at all. Yeah. Oh, it's funny because you know the thing is, is they you know I think as a company they don't 
um, very often take advantage of their past in terms of there's I think there's a few very you know iconic pieces of gear that they've made that have that people really still want uh, you know like yeah. the like the, the SG well the NS10s <laughs> and the the FG180 acoustic which actually they just did a they did an anniversary model and they actually gave me one which is really cool um, but you know I I think if they reissued something like that you know, people would be really into it because that's, you know, Elliot Smith played that and a lot of artists like gravitate towards that acoustic. Um, it's a, you know, it's a cool guitar. So gear is super good. We all acknowledge <laughs> that. And I, I think we all would want a glimpse into the, the, your, your warehouse. Uh, that sounds awesome. No, it is. It's. It's. I mean, it's. 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 It's pretty insane. Yeah, yeah I'd say. Yeah. So uh, let me uh, let me continue on this thread real quick here. So you you know we mentioned how you had to, um, you you cultivated your own voice, then came into something that you had to adapt to a little bit. At a certain point, you I would imagine that your voice would be become to be much more prevalent as the band progresses. And I had a question from one of our uh, listeners, uh, Ron Bren- Brené, and I just want to uh, reference it real quick. He said, most guitarists new and experienced have this preconceived notion that they need to discover their tone. This is great and all, but some, but something that has been pretty liberating for me as a player is to let go of the idea that I need to find one specific tone that defines everything about my playing, et cetera, et cetera, down to basically don't get caught up in chasing one tone, but rather look for different tones that inspire you and build from there. That seems like that would be the kind of thinking that would play into, okay, how are, how are you or how is you, Jeff, and Pumpkins dovetailing, and then how do you gain your own voice? Can you, uh, do you, you wanna address that at all? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I think that when I was younger, I somehow got into more of the, the, the framework of having many sounds. And I still do to, to a certain extent, you know, really having to cut co- in with the pumpkins gig. I have to, I have to really cover a lot of sonic territory. And so I definitely, I think more come from that mindset of, of not having like the one sound, um, but as I as I kind of get older, I I really respect players who kind of worked more within that framework, because I think one of the as much as and I love gear and I know you guys and I'm actually interested in hearing your guys all your perspectives on this is as I I feel like as in terms of gear and tone we're really in an unprecedented age where you have the whole history of guitar tone literally available to you. You can get some form of emulation of almost everything, Mm -hmm. whether it's a digital modeling type of emulation or a pedal like the Bell Epoch Deluxe that really you have access to these things that were pretty hard to get for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That only certain people can get and, I guess nowadays I get a little bit of like gear anxiety or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. There's so much and I start, 
I can like over obsess about what I'm using. Yeah. You know, and think, is there something better out there? Is there, you know, and then I, you know, when I think about a lot of the players that I, that we all really know and love, you know, they were using pretty simple things, mm -hmm. tube screamers, you know, electroharmonics pedals, MXR stuff, because, you know, really there wasn't a lot available in the 70s or 80s compared to now. Right. Comparatively. I, I and, think an interesting thing with yeah. that is, you know, I was thinking this the other day, like you look at how many pedals came out at NAM this year. I almost wonder if we're kind of on the edge of a pedal bubble. There's so... A pubble? A pubble, if you will. <laughs> there are so many options out there that it's... It's over. It's awesome, but it's also <laughs> overwhelming. Of like, how many different tube screamers are available right now? Different models yeah. of from various companies. There's got to be a thousand of them. That goes into a different aspect, though, because I don't think that necessarily. You know, we've kind of talked this uh, about this a little bit before, and I know. Uh, you know, Jeff being in Chicago, there's definitely a Chicagoan musician kind of uh, thing. Uh, especially when it comes to gear, there's that's like gear central, man. Mm. And well, I, yeah, places like Chicago Music Exchange in and of itself are, yeah, you know, get in a lot of trouble there. I kind of yeah. had to <laughs> stop going just because I would just go in there and, you know, I mean, it's like a, a bad drug habit, yeah. So when we're talking about, yeah, but there's another one and another one. I don't think it seems to be as much about ch chasing a better one as much as it is f finding that thing that resonates with you, whether it's like, hey, I really respect what this builder is about, or hey, he's from my hometown, or he's a, he's the newest guy on the block, and that's what I gravitate towards. I mean, that's what our show is kind of centered around, is mm -hmm. like those, those, those discoveries of smaller uh, makers and builders and players and contributors and stuff. Um, but I, when you said anxiety, literally the word in my mouth was angst. <laughs> I, I totally understand that. Um, and you know, as well as I, I mean, you, you actually referenced it at the, uh, you know, towards the beginning of our show, it would have been very easy for a, a, a player to come into that scenario and say, cool, I have my op amp fuzz pedal and my, and my, uh, you know, all the other, accoutrement that you might think goes with that band and you wouldn't sound like it at all and yeah. that's, that's the weird thing about all of that so chasing the tone I, i'm glad that you mentioned that about about it being in your hands and your ears it's funny because there's always this joke um that billy and i always talk about because his dad you know billy said was very good blues guitar player, you know, around here in Chicago. And I think when Billy was kind of young and, you know, started making some money, being able to buy gear and had the crazy huge rack, you know, he looked at him and said, you know, one day you'll just want to plug straight in. <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, what do you mean? Never yeah. want to plug straight in. I mean, yeah. come on, you know, and, but the funny thing is, is every tour, it seems like our pedal boards get a little bit smaller and smaller and you're getting more to that. Like, Oh no, I'm becoming my parent. You know, I mean, <laughs> even, if, even in, from a guitar perspective, it, it's, um, I have to say I've personally, you know, me, the reason I started studying jazz is because I mean, I'm starting very late in life. I'm terrible at it. It's like the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, it's such a different mentality of playing. Yeah. You know? But 
what I wanted to learn how to do to accentuate kind of sonics with, you know, pedals and stuff is really be able to make the guitar sound good with just my hands. Yeah. And so that's why learning to play that is like I play an arch top, plug straight in, you know, no pedals, and it's just make it sound good here. And then once you get that, you can, if you can accentuate that with all that, then it's like I think it's even more powerful. You know, it's more power. You know, and so that's kind of where my personal head has been leading me is to go. Okay, let me figure out how to make the hands do some stuff too, and work in conjunction with all this stuff. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I don't know how much better you can get because uh, after watching some of your playing, <laughs> I think I, I was pretty. And that's one of the most impressive things I think about your playing is that you um, you present a you present a feel. It doesn't it doesn't seem as though you are playing the things that your brain is telling you to play. You're 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 it's more of an expression of a sonic expression, I guess you could say. It's yeah. kind of a wobbly thing to say, but everybody, if you don't know what I'm saying, just go watch some videos of him playing or didn't listen to it and you'll hear what I mean. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, you practice and practice and practice and it's, you know, my, Tony, my teacher is like, it's like he what he calls drawing circles. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just drawing circles and just get better or like something like Kobe Bryant or, you know, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Practicing free throw after free throw, you know, very simple, basic things. So when you play, you can forget all of it and just play. Yeah. You yeah, know that I mean, there's a circle drawing yeah. competition? <laughs> Legitimately, there's huh. there's actually, it's like a thing because it's so hard hmm. to draw like, a perfect circle. <laughs> when they do it, do they compete like all at once or are there various rounds? Oh, oh, oh man. This, oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. That was a groaner. I think that's a good segue. Um, let's, let's take us to our this or that and then Jeff will let you go because I know you have to yeah. get to some I'm, rock and roll stuff. No, I got actually, you know, some friends. I, uh, you know, actually, because my I, my good neighbor of mine, you know, because the neighborhood I live in, there's a lot of musicians and stuff, and so a friend of mine, I they went on uh, vacation, so I fed their cat, so they're actually taking me out <laughs> to a nice classic Chicago steak dinner, which mm, is awesome. Oh, you don't so that's that's one of the, the, the nicest pleasures about living in Chicago is. You know, Chicago steak, the Chicago ribeye is, you know, can't get it anywhere else. Huh. My cousin lives up there. I'm going to have to take a little trip up there yeah. and see what you're doing. Yeah, if you ever come up here, let me know and I can point you in the right direction. You know, oh, excellent. Check out. Yeah. Excellent. All right, Chris. So yeah. Let's so get to this. We're going to play basically the game Would You Rather? But with one one question and we'll, we'll uh, discuss. And one answer. And one answer. Would you rather... Have a magic portal in your room that you can reach into and pull out any piece of gear ever, ever, literally ever. You could pull out Charlie Christian's guitar or whatever, or a magic portal that you can jump through and go to any concert in history. Oh, man. And it's unlimited. For the rest of your life, you have this magic portal. But you have to choose one or the other. And one that's or the it. other. Yeah. That, and you're stuck with that one portal. And the that's other the would longer. you rather part of this. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Jeff? I would definitely rather go and go to any concert and be able to go back in time and see what that was like for sure. 
because I feel like with the technology that's here is you can kind of emulate that experience of having the gear a mm-hmm. little bit to a certain degree where mm-hmm. you can never really go back and hear yes in 1973. Yeah. I mean, I want to hear, or hear Van Halen 76 at the whiskey, you know I mean? It's still, when there's still a club band. I mean, I would Whoa. love to hear what that sounded like. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking Jared. of yes, that, that was that a callback to the circle? The circle <laughs> roundabout. Oh, man, oh, oh, sorry, that's brutal. <laughs> Even grammed us again. Sorry, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. My my fault. Okay, I couldn't oh. resist. It was it was like right there for the taking. Okay, I would rather have the portal myself. I well, you get a portal. Well, let me continue here. I would rather go into the portal and go to the concert. Okay, I I'd rather go to the. And I know a lot of people will choose this, but I have to go to one of the Madison Square Garden uh, Led Zeppelin shows oh, in 73. Yeah. I just, I want to be front row and I want to just see the sweat pouring off their faces. Uh, I wanted to go to the to the O2 Led Zeppelin reunion thing for um, their record guy. I can't pronounce his name right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Atlantic Cardigan. records guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, it was a... Uh, a lottery thing and I didn't get my email drawn and it cost a million dollars to go. But that's what I would want to do. That that would just that would do it. That would do it. I could die after that. Yeah. Cause I've I'm happy with my gear, I guess. You got some nice gear, buddy. It's okay. Chris, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm gonna say gear. Uh <laughs> and I would say gear not necessarily just from a pedal standpoint, but to be like, hmm, you know, it might be fun to learn the violin. Yoink Stradivarius from 1750, you know, like you just reach in and grab, you know, something fresh, uh, like out of Leo Fender's hands from, you know, a 1949 telly that's yeah, brand new so the the for the rest of the time. Well, I, you, I, you're messing with the space time continuum. You're messing with the space time continuum, but just to like pull something out that was ridiculous like that, like, wow. like the world's best Steinway piano <laughs> it would be heavy. But and to sit down and just have a few hours goofing around with something that was, you know, the best of any, you know, I would I would I would rotate the instruments I was pulling out. Interesting. A lot. I remember it's how you play it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> to a degree. I'm going to go with uh, the the concert one. I, I'm I love gear, but I think, Jeff, you 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 made a very good point of you could pretty much get like I could reach through and grab Joe Strummer's guitar which would make me cry, but I, you know, I could come, I can come pretty close, but I could never go back and see him. Hmm. And I, and that, that would be, that, that would be something special. So, all right, well, we're going to let Jeff go get some steak, man. <laughs> Jeff- awesome. I had, awesome. I had it. You know what? I had such a great time. I did blew by, like, I can't believe an hour just went I know, by. Right. It's, it's totally fun. Yeah. You know? Super, man. Well, listen, you are welcome back anytime. If you got something new that you want to talk about uh, or or whatever, if you just want to shoot the gear crap with us, you are it's an open door for you. Um, oh, man, a portal, if you I'm, will. I'm, like, I'm just as invested in this stuff as you guys. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like I said, I have gear anxiety, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. I, I really appreciate, uh, you know, on, on the behalf of all of our listeners um, around the world uh, that – 
you know, we really appreciate you taking your time and, and nerding out on the gear with us. So yeah, with that, uh, I think there's nothing else except to, um, subscribe. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit us at our website at theguitarnobs.com for episodes, news, and guest profiles. You can get all social with us on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash guitar knobs. Give us a tweet at guitar underscore knobs. And check out our gallery on Instagram at guitar knobs. <laughs>